in 1 Kings chapter 9. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time. And you need to underline that in your Bible. This is the second time he came to Solomon as he appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to my name there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee, and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. But if ye shall all turn at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. And at the, this house, which is high, every one that passes by it shall be astonished and shall hiss, and they shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and to this house? And they shall answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken hold upon other gods, and have worshipped them and served them. Therefore hath the Lord brought upon them all this evil. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about decisions this morning. And all of us come to a place of decision in our lives at times, and uh, there is points of decision that we have in our lives. And when we come to that place of decision, sometimes we don't realize the choices that we're about to make, how they affect other people's lives. And so we ourselves don't realize what it means to really pray about choices and decisions that we're making. And so as I thought about this, I thought about young people, so I want Ben and Connor to come out of the booth this morning there. I want them to come on up here, right up beside Michael here, and sit down this morning, because I want them to really get a hold of this themselves as young men. And uh, when God uh, laid this upon my heart, I began thinking about young people more than anything else. And uh, I began to think about the spiritual impact of our decisions, the spiritual impact of our decisions, things that we do that will really impact us and affect us for the rest of our lives. Now, you're sitting out there as we age, we would think that uh, we would become wiser, and yet decisions are made apart from God, regardless of how old we are. Sometimes, man, we have messed up. How many admit that this morning? Man, if I had just... Just a little bit longer, just a little bit more, just a little more thought, right? And I, I would not have made that mistake. And so when we're young, often the decisions we make seem unimportant, and yet they can affect you for the rest of your life. And I'm certain that there's probably some of you sitting in here right now that in early days of your life, you made a decision, and you realize even this day how that has impacted you. Now, that could be for good or for bad, right? And so you can make decisions that could be really healthy for you and can last a lifetime as well. But there are times where we make decisions apart from God, and when we make those decisions apart from God, apart from consulting with our Savior, sometimes they hurt us immensely. And so the challenge for us is this, and I thought about how God wants all that are His to turn and consult Him, 
especially when we're making those life-changing decisions. Now, I'll get into this in just a moment, but there are things that we think are just so unimportant. But how many of you as adults in here who are married now would say, you know what, man, it is important to pray about who you're going to marry. Would you agree with that today? It is important to pray about who you're going to marry. And and in fact, uh, I, I would really should have consulted God before I ever even thought about entering into a relationship with someone. I should have talked to the Lord. And so when you think about this, God wants all of us to turn to him. So we must see that the choices that we make can lead further, uh, take us further away from God, or it can draw us closer to him. And I'll never forget this. And my pastor, he's going to be out here in October. I want you folks to meet him. And and just such a precious man of God. And I remember uh, when I came to him, I was saved. And this this was a point of decision in Anita and I's life. And and I was looking at going into business for myself, and the opportunity was there, and the money was there, and uh, the, the people was there, the contracts were there, uh, the facilities were there, and, and, and I was getting ready to make this decision, and I, I remember I thought, well, I should go tell pastor what I'm doing. Now, I didn't go to consult with pastor. I was just going to tell pastor what I was going to do. And I remember going over to see that man, and he was outside. He had a stick with a nail sticking out of the end of it, and he was going around the property just picking up paper. And he was picking up trash. And where we were in the town, people just come by and they just throw stuff out. So, you know, we were forced to pick up beer bottles and cans and beer cans and everything else because people just drive by and throw stuff out of the car. And he was out there and he was picking that stuff up. And I came to him and I said, Pastor, listen. I've got this idea. I already had sent my incorporation papers. I'd gotten them back. Uh, I had uh, gotten to the place where I'd received all the contracts and what I was going to do and how this business was going to take off and and how everything was just in place. Everything was there. And uh, he's out there picking up this paper, and I went over to tell him, and I said, Pastor, you never believe this. This is what I got going on. And man, this and this and this, and I'm just talking away. And, And he's just walking, and he just kept picking up paper. And finally, I said, Pastor, are you listening to me? He goes, stopped and stood up. And he looked at me and he said, do you think that's going to draw you closer to the Lord or take you further away from him? And he started picking up paper again. Now, I want to tell you, that stuck in my head. Do you ever have somebody just say something so profound to you and it just, you can't think of anything else? The only thing I kept thinking is when I left him, I remember the excitement that I went over there with it. And that, man, I was just wired to the hill. Have you ever been there? Just really excited about something. And you tell somebody else, and it feels like they just went. Have you ever had that happen to you? And I walked away from there, and I thought, man. And I got in the car, and I'm driving home to talk to Anita. And you know what's going through my head? Bob? Is that going to draw you closer to the Lord or pull you further away from him? I couldn't get that thought out of my head. That night, I'm laying down. The following day, I was going to sign a quarter of a million dollars worth of contracts, folks. And I could not get it out of my head. Is that going to draw you closer to the Lord or pull you further away from him? When I woke up in the morning, I got up and I started praying. And God said, Bob, is that going to draw you closer to me? Is that going to pull you further away from me? And the whole day, I knew I was getting ready to go sign those contracts, and I was like, what do I do? 
And now, guess what's in me? Conflict. Do you know why? I never consulted with the Lord. Are you with me? Never asked God. I was just excited about what I was doing. I never consulted with God. I never asked God, is this what I should do? I, I didn't even think like that. But the torment of that thought inside my head, would, I could not let it go. And I remember I went over, and, and, and the first thing I did was, the folks that I was getting the equipment from for the business, I went over and told them, forget it. I couldn't even believe the words came out of my mouth. I was like, this is dumb. And I, I said, just, just, just forget it. And she said, Bob, we've done all this work. We've got all these contracts together. You've got these contracts with these hotels and resorts. What are you going to do? I said, I'm not going to do it. What are you, crazy? I mean, they're, and what is their thought? Worldly thoughts, isn't it? And I'm stuck. I'm betwixt what? Two, aren't I? Yep. And the only thing that kept riding through my mind is, is it going to bring you closer to God or is it going to pull you further away? So as I go into the message this morning, we must see that the choices that we make can lead us further or closer to God. And this includes all the decisions you make regarding your families and your spiritual lives. It really makes a difference. And so God continually reminds us through his word uh, to come to him when we're going to do anything in this life. In James 1.5, how many of you know that verse off by heart? If any of you lack what? Wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men uh, liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be what? Given him. God wants us to go to him for what? Wisdom, right? Not our own, but his wisdom. He then tells us this in 1 Kings. You're there in 1 Kings. Keep your finger there in chapter 9. I want us to go back to chapter 3 of 1 Kings. I want you to see this. 1 Kings chapter 3. And look at verse 9 with me here. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. He says in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart, to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy, uh, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord, and Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked for riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern what? Judgment. Solomon asked him the right thing, didn't he? Solomon asked for the right thing. He went to God for wisdom rather than just making a decision, didn't he? And then in Proverbs 2, 3 through 6, he said, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as uh, for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. God giveth what? He gives wisdom, doesn't he? And out of his mouth comes that understanding, right? And so God tells us this. And then he tells us this in Matthew 7, 7. He says, uh, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be what? Open unto you. God wants us coming to him. Would you agree with that this morning? So with the decisions we make in life, we need to ask God what it is that he would have us to do. We don't go and do this apart from God. We do this with God. How many are walking with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? We go to God. We don't do it on our own. Now, as I share this with you, the, verse, uh, the verses are a request to God to help you make spiritual sound choices that impact your life and the lives of others. So I, I challenged my own thoughts and I said, am I seeking out the Lord's wisdom in my decisions for this life and the lives of my family? 
And so I challenge you the same. Are you seeking out the Lord for your decisions that you're making for your life and the lives of your family? Are you really thinking about what God would have you to do? And so as we go through this, to turn to the Lord in your times of decision is wise. It's biblical. And so turn to the Lord for your answers. And one of the things that happens is this. Let him challenge your heart. Let God challenge you. Do you think he challenged Solomon right here in chapter 9, verses 1 through 9? He certainly did, didn't he? And he said, Solomon, let me tell you what will be if, Solomon, you do this. He challenged him, didn't he? He challenged that man's heart and said, if you'll do this, this is coming. And he promised him that, didn't he? I'll give to you what I promised to your father, David. But there was a condition laid down, wasn't there? And the fact was is that he needed to stick with him, didn't he? Now, the other side of that is, is a point of decision. Now, Solomon came to a point of decision in his life. And here's the thing. We all come to a crossroad at sometimes, don't we? We come to a crossroad in our lives, and there's a point of decision. And do you know there are things that are going to draw you closer to God, or there are things in life that are going to pull you further away from Him? And do you know God's not going to... Uh, uh, stop you, he's going to want you to come to him with that decision so that whatever you choose is what he would choose for you and that you're not walking away from him. Now, does that say that you might not be wealthy or you might not get a job that does this or does that? As long as that's the will of God, that's a good place to be, amen? But if it is not God's will for you, you should know the difference and you say, well, it just seems so mystical, preacher. How do I know the will of God? The Word of God is the will of God. If you're reading His Word, you know His will. And there is no way God's going to lead you in the dark. He's going to guide you and lead you. And I believe with all of my heart that every person that's in this room today at some point has come to a place of decision in their life. And there are some times when we made that decision that, boy, if we could go back. Amen? Rewind. What would we do? We would have made a different choice, wouldn't we? And I promise you that would happen. So we all come to a place of decision. Lastly, this. God warns us. And as believers, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord is in us. And so when God speaks to us, He's going to speak to us, not in an audible voice. He's going to speak to us how? Through His Word. And so when you pick this up and read this, this is the living Word of God. God's going to use this to speak to you. And so whenever you read the Word of God, God's using this as a means to communicate with you. And by the way, the power of the Holy Spirit resides in us, and the Spirit is the one who helps us understand what this says. And I believe with all of my heart that when we're going in the wrong direction, that I have a God that loves me so much, He's going to lead me in a different direction, but I have to be paying attention or I'm going to make the wrong choices. Now, having said all of that, a heart challenge. What happened here in, in 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 through 9? There are decisions made by King Solomon that affected so many people in his family and the nation that the Lord put under his rule. He has, to this day, I would assume that Solomon understands or understood when he met God the impact of the decisions this man made. And, and what we don't think about is the impact that our decisions have on other people. We think that it's just about us. Listen, how many of you have heard this phrase, you do you? How many of you have heard that? You just do you. 
Well, I want to tell you, when you do you sometimes, you are going to hurt other people. And you're going to make decisions based on just how you feel about how things should be, and I'm going to do my thing, my way, and no one else is important anymore because I'm just going to do me. And I'm going to tell you, that is a false teaching, a false preaching to the youth of our nation today. When I look to the Scripture, Solomon was charged by his dad. You're there in 1 Kings. Keep your finger there in chapter 9. Let's go back to chapter 2, 1 Kings chapter 2. I want you to see this firsthand. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 and through verse 4, I'm going to read to you. He said, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, Now here's the thing. He, he said this, Hey son, listen up. I want you to pay attention to what I'm trying to tell you. And he said, Now he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God. He did not even say, son, keep my charge. He said, keep the charge of the Lord, didn't he? He's trying to tell his son what to keep focused on. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God. Now watch this. To walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning you or concerning me saying if thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul there shall not fail thee said he a man on the throne of Israel. David challenged him didn't he? He charged him and he said, son, listen, if you'll do what God has told us to do, this will last forever. This will go on, son. And what it is is that Solomon then was given a charge, not only by God, but by his dad, wasn't he? And he said, this is what you should think about. Now, as we think about this, the thought may be, well, King David also failed and sinned against God. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Do you know the difference between King Saul and King David? King David decided to ask God to forgive him. King David decided that what he had done was wrong. And King David came to that place because the day that Nathan, the prophet, approached him and told him what his wrong was, he didn't reject that truth. He understood that truth. And then he said, I have to get this thing right with my heavenly father. And that's exactly the difference between King Saul and King David. King Saul blamed everybody for his problems. What kind of a nation do we live in today? Everybody else is at fault for what you do. And the reality is, is that we're at fault for our own actions, choices that we make. And we want to teach a, a, a generation that don't worry about it. It's somebody else's fault. It's the generation's fault before you. Somebody else did this to you. Your choices are not your own. Somebody else did something to you and caused you to do this. I want to tell you something. If we believe that, there is not a God in heaven then. Because there is a God in heaven that will lead you and guide you and change you and move your direction based upon who he is, not who man is. And he'll lead you. When I look at this, David sought forgiveness. David sought God's forgiveness and turned his heart toward the Lord. But you know what? His sin came with some consequences, didn't it? It did, didn't it? It still had consequences. And here's the thing we don't think about. When we're young, we don't think about the decisions that we're making. But I want to tell you, sin comes 
with consequences. You may not feel it immediately, but it's coming down the pike somewhere. And I promise you, be sure your sin will find you out. Would you agree? God will reveal it. If not today, he will reveal it in eternity. I promise you that. And the fact is, is that what we cannot do is run from God or hide from God. And, and when God teaches us this truth in the scriptures, we look at this, and David turned his heart. He sinned, but there were consequences. You know, when David first started out, God had anointed him king. He went over and spent years over in Hebron. And over there, he had six kids. And while he had those six children, and then he comes to Jerusalem, and he has more kids, and one of the kids that he had came out of an adulterous situation. Did he not pay a consequence? Did he not pay a price for that? Sure he did. And then what happens is one of the kids that he had over there in Hebron, Absalom, goes up against him, doesn't he? David paid greatly for sins that he had done. And I want you to understand, though, the difference between King Saul and King David. David sought the forgiveness of God. That doesn't mean because we ask God to forgive us that there are no consequences to our sin, because there still is, isn't there? And what we have to come to the place is is we still have to rely upon God, even in those times, don't we? Lord, I've, I've sinned against you. That's what David did, didn't he? Oh, he was weeping day and night. God, I've sinned against you. I've done wrong, Lord. And God said, I'll help you get it right, David. Now, it was David's confession and repentance that put him back in fellowship with God. And David, uh, in the New Testament... Uh, he sought to do right in the New Testament in Acts 13, 22. It says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? You say, well, this man committed adultery and he murdered someone. Yes, he did, but he sought forgiveness, didn't he? Did it come with consequences? Oh, he paid a heavy price, trust me. That man paid a very heavy price. You go back and you read the Psalms and you look at the tears that that man wept over the sins that he had committed. And he sought God out day and night after that and refused to get himself off target again. And so what happened? God said he was a man after God's own heart. You know why? Because David understood that it was God that would forgive. It was David that understood who God was. And so he was a man after God's own heart. Now, what we find is a father who had fallen into sin, understood the consequences, confessed and repented, and then he challenged Solomon. He challenged Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. He challenged him. He said, listen, do, do, do what you're supposed to. Follow God. Teach other people to do the same, Solomon. Don't fall off that beaten path. Go after it. So God reveals that Solomon early on took his first step in the wrong direction. He took his first step in the wrong direction. Do you know, it doesn't seem like a huge step to just step out of church and not come for some services. Doesn't seem like a big deal. But that's where it starts. I want to show you something. You think that's not true? I want to show you something. Look at 1 Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter 3, And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What did he do? Took Pharaoh's daughter. Now watch this. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he may, had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. 
Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon, now watch this, loved the Lord, walking in his statues of David his father, only, you ought to underline that in your Bible, only he did something. Not a big deal, only he did this. Only he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. Do you know what God's saying? He was following me, he had a love for me, but he only did this one thing. <laughs> Just this one thing is what he did. But I want you to know that one thing can be the difference of whether you stay walking with God or not walking with God. It's the difference of what will happen in your life. Now listen, men and women in this church have raised their children to walk with God. I know you folks have. And some of our children do not walk with God. And what God desires is for them to do it. But you know, they, at the age in which they come, they come to a place of decision in their own lives, don't they? And they have to make choices. And what I uh, say to all of you today is, there are times where, yes, I wished I would have made some different choices. And, and if there's any one choice that, that if I could really go back, folks, and really say, if there's a place of decision which I wish I had really made that decision and really stuck with that decision, it was when I was 12. I really wished when I was 12 years old I had really received Jesus Christ as my Savior and I had really started walking with God. Because from age 13 till I turned 30 years old, I wasted my life. Walking for the ways of the world, consuming it up on my own lust, trying to accumulate money that, by the way, is going to burn up anyway. And that was my only focus and my only thought about what I could have, what I could obtain, what I could do. And it was all those kinds of things. And you know when I got to the end of it, it was like being an alcoholic because what I needed was just a little bit more, just like an alcoholic just needs just one more bottle, right? We never realize a point of decision, a place of decision in our lives, a place of decision. In 1 Kings 4.29, you're there in Kings, you're there in 3, look at 4. <laughs> look at what God did for Solomon. It says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much and, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. You say, why did he do that? Do you remember earlier <laughs> Solomon asked for wisdom, didn't he? He didn't ask for, for himself. He didn't want to consume it upon his own lust. Only one thing he did... He continued to burn incense in high places, didn't he? That one thing. That one thing he began to do. Now I want to tell you how this leads. God again comes to Solomon and reminds him of the responsibility he has in his personal life, in his family's life, and in the nation. So we come back to chapter 9. <laughs> and God, it says here, and the Lord uh, came to Solomon a second time. God came to Solomon the second time. <laughs> He's telling Solomon the same thing he had already communicated to him, hadn't he? He's coming to him a second time and telling him what he's done. And so we see in chapter 8 some beautiful prayers. And you go and you read the prayers of Solomon and you read this prayer from him. Look at chapter 8, look at verse 20. This is Solomon praying in, in chapter 8, uh, in verse 20. And the Lord hath performed his word that he spake, and I am risen up in the room of, of David my father, and sit on the throne of Israel, as the Lord promised, and have built a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. Solomon's praying. Solomon's praying. And Solomon's saying, look, God, God did this. God, God spoke this. God did this. 
Solomon's lifting him up, isn't he? And, and then I want you to jump down. Look at verse 23. He says, And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or in earth beneath who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee and all their heart, who has kept with thy servant David my father that thou promisest him, thou spakest also with thy mouth and hast, fill, uh, hast fulfilled it with thine hand as it is this day. Therefore now, Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David my father that thou promisest him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit on the throne of Israel, so that thy children take heed to their way, uh, that they walk before me as thou hast walked before me. He's praying. He's praying to God. And he's saying, God, you promised David this. You promised my dad this. And God, you told me if I do this, this is what you'll do. Think about this for just a moment. And Solomon walking with God and God blessing him. Look at the blessings on his life. What did God give him? He gave him wisdom and wealth, didn't he? He did a lot of things for wisdom and wealth for, for Solomon. And the temple was built under his reign. The house of God was built under Solomon. God did all of this with Solomon. And Solomon's seeing all of these things that God is doing. Go, go to verse 33. When thy people Israel be smitten down before the enemy because they have sinned against thee and shall turn again to thee and confess thy name and pray and make supplication unto thee in this house, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy people Israel and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest their fathers when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee. If they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou afflictest them, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein thou should walk and give rain upon thy land, which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. Solomon's praying. <laughs> He's saying, God, you gave us all this stuff. Now listen, people, keep following him. Because when you do, God blesses. As we follow his leading, God blesses us. And, and, and I share with you that so much so, when I was 12, I really had in my heart that I would have come forward when I was 12 and had prayed and really trusted Christ as my Savior. I didn't. I just went through the motions. And how many of us in our Christian's lives are just going through the motions? We're not really worshiping God anymore. We're just showing up for a service and waiting for this man to get done preaching so we can go home and have lunch. How many come as true worshipers of God, really wanting to see God do something in a service just like this, wanting God to break through and the Holy Spirit to work in your lives? You say, preacher, I'm too old for him to do anything now. No, now's the time for God to allow you to let him do something in your life. Now's the time. And when I go to the Scriptures, the temple was built under Solomon. At the end of his praying, look at uh, chapter 8, look at verse 55. And he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people, Israel. According to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he hath promised by the hand of Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments and his command, uh, as, as, which he commanded our fathers. And let these my words, wherein or wherewith I have made supplication before thee, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant, 
and the cause of his people Israel at all times, as the matter shall require, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Powerful, isn't it? Why are you going to do this? To glorify God. <laughs> to glorify God, Solomon. That's why you're going to do it. Oh, you tell me, what's his heart not challenged? Did God not challenge him? We now come to God bringing that charge to Solomon. This is that second time in chapter 9. And he brings the charge before him. And he said, I came to Solomon a second time. And all the stuff that I've just shared with you from the scriptures, he'd already brought this all to his attention, hadn't he? And so God said, I'm challenging your heart, Solomon. So here's the challenge to us. Turn to the Lord in your times of decision. Do you know why? It's wise and it's biblical. <laughs> Amen? Turn to God. Seek out the Lord's wisdom in your decisions in, the, in your life, in your lives, in your family's lives, folks. Ask God what you should do. Ask the Lord. Get the peace of God in your life before you make those decisions. Let him lead you. You know, we all face those hard choices, but the Lord leads. Go to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. If you're with me, say amen. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of who? Now I want to ask you something. What did he do? It started with Pharaoh's what? Daughter, didn't it? He takes a step, and he takes a step to burn incense in high places. Are you with me? Ask God for wisdom. God said, look, Solomon, you do all these things, and there shall not fail on the throne of Israel what I have promised unto David. It's not going to fail. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn your, away your heart after their God. Solomon clave unto these in love. Uh-oh. Something got a hold of his heart, didn't it? And it wasn't God. And he goes on and he says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and, and went, out fully after the, uh, went not fully after the Lord as David his father. Something started to happen to Solomon, didn't it? Solomon went in a different direction. Solomon decided what daddy was doing wasn't as important as what I want to do. What, what God had, had commanded us isn't as important as how I feel. What, what I want to do in this life is far more important than what God would want me to do. What I want out of this life, I believe that God ought to give it to me because this is what I want. That's where Solomon was headed, wasn't it? Otherwise, he wouldn't have had many strange women. By the way, the list is long, isn't it? You go down and find out what happened to him? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So as we look at this, a decision point. You know, every Christian should have a conscience toward God and be sensitive to what influences their lives. Every one of us, listen to me, folks, every one of us in here ought to be concerned about what's influencing our lives. 
the people that influence our lives, the entertainment that influences our lives, where we go, places that we go, uh, people that we walk with, who we're engaging with. We ought to be very careful about what's influencing our lives. And you say, well, no, I'm bigger than that. I'm a bigger Christian than that. I got a handle on that. I can handle all this. And you don't have to tell me that preacher. I already know. And I'm telling you, you better be careful because you don't realize how steep an influence people can have on you. Hey, if your brothers and sisters are doing wrong, don't follow them. Don't follow them. Don't do what they're doing. Pray for them. Be, be a bigger person. Take the high road. Teach them something different. Tell them I'm not involved in that. I don't want to be a part of your life if you're going to do that. I'll pray for you, but there's no way I'm going to head down that path with you. I ain't doing it. When I look to the Scriptures, be careful what's influencing you as a believer. Solomon had godly father, and he had God leading him, and Solomon allowed the world to influence him, turning his heart away from God. And believe me, you, the devil wants nothing more than to use this world to turn your heart away from God. He wants to use the influences of this world. He wants to use the influences of evil people and wicked people. Listen, just go read Romans chapter 1. And the Bible clearly tells us that wicked, evil people have pleasure in watching other people fall. That's insane. But that's what the Scriptures teach. Every one of us come to a place of decision, whether it's friends or marriage or morality or character or finances or spiritual decisions. And you know God would have us to come to Him. God wants us to come to Him. He doesn't want us to weigh in on what the world thinks. Listen, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own, what? Understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge Him and He shall do what? Direct your path. So who's directing your path? Who's showing you what direction to go in? YouTube? <laughs> Snapchat? Facebook? Who's showing you what direction to go in? Google? <laughs> Go Google uh, uh, how to get to heaven. It'll show you seven ways how to get there. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by what? That's the only way you're getting there. When you decide apart from the Lord, there's a problem. Now, we love that verse, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Preacher, I can even, I, I can quote it. I know that verse. Do you know what verse 7 says? He says in verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. Now, you know, when, when I stop there, you go, okay, I get that. He wants me to trust in him and be not wise in thine own eyes. But listen to this. He says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Do you know what that tells me? When you're making decisions apart from God, that's an evil thing to do. You think you're smarter than him. That's a wrong decision, buddy. That's the wrong way to go. And the thing of it is, this is clearly teaches us that be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. We, you know what's wrong with our nation? You know why the church is empty? It's not because we're not preaching the scriptures. The church is empty because people don't fear God anymore. There's not a fear of the Lord anymore. People do not fear God. They don't understand the end of these times. And you go back and you read in Psalms and he says, and when I understood their end, I understood the slippery slope that they were on, and I understood their end. Then he came back to his right mind, realized what he had was far greater 
than anything you can possess in this life. When I think about this, take into account what God would have you to do before consulting with friends. Well, I'll talk to my friends. I've been thinking about getting a divorce. Who are you talking to about it? Well, i got a friend over here. They've been divorced seven times. I was going to go talk to them and see what they think. I wonder what they think about divorce. I'm having some money trouble. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, it, it's just overwhelming me. I'm going to go talk to my buddy. Who's your buddy? Oh, this guy over here. What's wrong with him? Oh, he filed chapter 13 a long time ago. <laughs> he can't make ends meet. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with marijuana. I think I'll just have a few. It won't hurt me. I mean, the government's even told me that. <laughs> and what effect does marijuana have on the body? Well, who are you consulting on that? Well, my buddy over here, what is he? Oh, he's a stoner, man. <laughs> he's been doing it for a long time. Just ask him. It just calms his nerves. Makes him feel better. Go ask him. Who do you want to consult? God or the stoner? Who do you want to consult when it comes to things? Listen, God said, be not wise in thine own eyes. Don't think that we know or someone on this earth knows more than he knows. Amen. Amen. He knows far more than you and I know. Amen. He knows what's best for us. Amen. So what point of decision are you at in your life right now? Hey, listen, don't attempt to go around God. I'm telling you right now, if you think you're going to thwart what God thinks, you're in trouble. If you think that you're going to get away with it, I'm telling you, hold on. Because it's going to be a tough, tough ride for you. And if you've got some point of decision or some place of decision in your life, you better go talk with God. You better consult with God. Now you say, well, preacher, the Bible says, you know, that, that we ought to consult with, with people. You're right, with godly people, Amen. He doesn't, get, he doesn't tell us to go down to the bar and ask those folks whether we should have beer or not. Amen? Amen? He doesn't ask us that. He says to us, consult godly people. Amen? Amen. If you want to talk to some folks, if you've got some, listen, Brother Chris and Brother Jim, I know would spend time with you. Without a doubt, they would sit down with you. Your pastor would sit down with you. I promise you, we'll take you to the Scriptures and show you what at least we know what the Bible says. Would you guys? Amen? Amen? We'll show you what the scriptures teach. Don't be a person that comes to that place of decision and you want to thwart God or you want to attempt to go around him. Listen, lean on him for direction. There are many who are trying to get to heaven apart from Jesus Christ. How many of you know somebody like that? Amen. How are they going to get there? Folks, it ain't going to happen. You say, well, preacher, I believe that with all my heart. Then believe the rest of the word of God. Amen. And, and listen, they cannot get there apart from Christ. In Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. death. When something is death, that means it's no longer what? Living. <laughs> so there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. No value. Useless. Scrap. Garbage. Rottenness. That's the word death. It's of no use whatsoever. <laughs> and so he's saying all of these things. Now salvation is a point of decision. And to receive eternal life, you must trust the Lord, and he'll direct your path. So the decisions that you're getting ready to make. Hey, Mom, what decision are you getting ready to make? Dad, what decision? Brother, 
sister? Hey, Grandma and Grandpa, what decision are you getting ready to make? Huh? What decision are you getting ready to make? And I'm saying to you, have you talked to God? Have you gotten the peace of God about the decision you're about to make? And by the way, God doesn't backpedal. Amen? He didn't backpedal on Gideon, did he? How many times he flipped the fleece? How many of us are just like that? We're out there flipping the fleece four or five times trying to figure out whether God said this or didn't say it. We're so busy flipping the fleece, we forgot to listen to God. (laughs) And what it is is that God is very precise, and he will clearly lead you. But you are the one that's going to make the choice. He wants you to choose him over that. Solomon chose to turn away his heart from the Lord. He rejected the Lord, which led to a sinful spiral Several events that just took him down a path that was just horrible, folks, and the nation of Israel. Lastly, this. God loves us, and he cautions us about our decisions. You're there in chapter 11. Look at verse 9 with me, if you will. 1 Kings chapter 11. Look at verse 9. I don't want to be in this place, man. Watch what he says. And the Lord was angry with who? Woo! How many of you want to be in that spot? (laughs) Huh? How many of you in here right now said, man, I wouldn't mind being in that spot? Wow. And it says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him. How many times, folks? Twice. He told him two times, didn't he? He said, Solomon, listen to me. Solomon, listen to me. And Solomon said, no. Do you know what that's like? How many of you have told your children something and they didn't listen to you? And the end result of that was not comfortable for them. How many of you could attest to that right now? This is just an uncomfortable thing. Now you know they're going through it and you're going, good night, man, right? And now, uh, Brother Darrell, I'm the smartest man in the world then, you know, because they don't know what to do now. Brother Jim and I were talking the other day. I have a more of an appreciation for my father now than I ever had in my life. Amen? You know why? I think he's the smartest man in the world. So he's got all this wisdom. <laughs> Ninth grade education, by the way. He's got all kinds of wisdom. Wisdom that I had never had. <laughs> when I was young, <laughs> how many of you are just like this? I know, 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 I know. You're like, I know. Right? (laughs) Drive you nuts, man. You're like, shut up with the I knows and listen. You don't know anything. You know nothing. The Lord's warning. So he warns here, and he had commanded him concerning the thing that he should not go after other gods, but keep, and he kept not that which the Lord had commanded him. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much then as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of, thy hand, out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake which I have chosen." <laughs> God's still going to keep his word in me. Now, you can go through the turmoil and you can go through the mess, and you're welcome to go on through that. And God said, go ahead and do your own thing there, Solomon. I'm not going to not fulfill my word. I'm still going to fulfill my word, but, buddy, you're going to feel it. 
Now the pressure's on Solomon, isn't it? Because he didn't want to listen to God. Now God will lead you in this situation. And we are shown here that he spoke to Solomon twice. And you know, when the Lord has warned you once, that ought to be enough. Amen? But your inaction or your action lead God to warn you even twice. <laughs> he did that for another man in the Bible. How many remember the man Jonah? Amen? And when he says that, he says he came unto Jonah a second time. Jonah said, yes, Lord. <laughs> I'm ready to listen now. Because, boy, being in the belly of that well was not fun. And when the weeds were wrapped about my head and I was at the bottom of the ocean, then I remembered the Lord. <laughs> Do you know that's what happens to us? We wait till we're at the bottom of the ocean with the weeds wrapped about our head, and then we go, God, where are you? And he goes, where are you? You've been gone the whole time. I've been trying to talk to you. I've been trying to communicate with you. I've been trying to use people in your life. I've been trying to help you with the authorities in your life to help lead you in the direction that you ought to be going. Where are you? <laughs> what did he come down and say to Adam? God knew exactly where Adam was, but he said, Adam, where art thou? How many times is God doing that to you? Where are you? What are you doing today? Where are you at? <laughs> God's looking for you. This is a lesson that Jonah learned that you know, God, under his grace, he's so good to us, is he not? Listen, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to do what? <laughs> Forgive us our sins. Hey, you know, I'm so glad it's not like the Old Testament times. You see, uh, the spirit was up on Saul, and God removed his spirit from Saul. Whoo, am I glad I don't live then. Amen? I'm glad I live today where he indwelt me with the Holy Spirit of God and I come to my God and I say, oh God, Jesus Christ died for my sins and God, I'm coming to you and confessing my sins and he will forgive you. Praise God for that, amen? amen. Thank you, Lord, that that's what's offered to me today because I'm under grace and not under the law. Hebrews 12, 6, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, he disciplines them, he instructs them. What father doesn't discipline or instruct their children? You know, those are the kids that end up in prison a lot of times because there's no discipline early on in their life. There's no instruction early on in their life. And so he disciplines and instructs and scourges. He corrects or punishes even every son whom he receiveth. So God in this time used two different men for two different reasons to come up against Solomon to get his attention. If you're there in chapter 11 and verse 14, he has this fellow Hadad come up against him. <laughs> It's the problem that David had. <laughs> and now Solomon's like, what? <laughs> he got mad at, at David, and now he's taking it out on his son. And then he raises up another fellow. His name's Rezin. Rezin comes up against him. Solomon doesn't know what to do now. So here was this peaceful time in his life. Peaceful Israel, are you with me? God blessing and doing all these things. And Solomon said, hey, look at those girls over there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And pulled his heart away from God. Stole his heart. Wicked. Ungodly. Godless people stole a man's heart who was walking with God because he quit following the Lord. God warned Solomon about influences and he allowed into his life, his family, and the people of God. 
For this cause, he allowed an adversary to come up against him. Man, it ended up in a down huge spiral. (laughs) Solomon went downhill quick. Solomon then foolishly makes another decision. You're there in chapter 11, look at verse 28. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor, and Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him what? Ruler over what? Now I want to tell you something. This is a huge problem. Nowhere do you find Solomon asking God, should I do this with Jeroboam? Jeroboam was his servant. And by the way, in the scriptures, over and over and over again, some 25 or 30 times, the Bible says that Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel or who caused Israel to sin. And why? Because here comes Solomon now. He's not consulting with God anymore. He's making his own decisions, and he decides to put this man a ruler. You know, God even went to Jeroboam. And now God said, hey, listen, I'm going to put Rehoboam over a group of people. I'm going to put him over here in Judah because I promised your daddy I would do that, didn't he? And so he gives Judah to Rehoboam. Jeroboam rises up, and boy, does he cause some trouble. And all those strange gods that Solomon was seeking after and all those strange women, that is the direction that Jeroboam was taking the nation of Israel. You think your decisions don't matter? You think because of your age, your decisions don't matter? And what God is teaching us is they have an effect, don't they? They impact other people's lives. We find that one man, Solomon, he made a decision one day. And we see the destruction of things in chapter 12 and verse 32. We see what Jeroboam does. And he led Israel to sin. And then you go and you see that path of sin. And even God sent uh, uh, um, uh, the prophet to him, Ahijah. He sent the prophet Ahijah over to Jeroboam and said, Hey, Jeroboam, he told Jeroboam the same thing that he told Solomon. And Jeroboam went even further. Now, Jeroboam was just his servant. He wasn't his son. But then we see what Rehoboam did. Rehoboam didn't listen to the counsel of others. He decided to do his own thing. (laughs) He got some of his buddies together and said, Hey, guys, what do you think you ought to do? And they said, Man, just put more pressure on him. Let him have it, Rehoboam. So he did. (laughs) Caused all kinds of trouble for Rehoboam. Jeroboam wasn't even Solomon's son. Solomon only had Rehoboam. And Rehoboam did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And Jeroboam did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, wait a minute. We had a man after God's own heart. Wait a minute. We had God come to uh, to Solomon twice and tell him what he ought to be doing. And we come to this point. And he didn't heed the warnings. This is the reason you must be wise about your decision-making. Hey, listen, don't consult traditional wisdom. Don't go look for the next philosopher, the next book that was written. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen? And too many of us are relying on what our friends think, or what our buddies think, or what someone outside the church thinks, or what some book that was written thinks, or what David Jeremiah thinks, or what some other person thinks. Listen, we need to be concerned about what God thinks. We need to be reading our Bible We need to be in the scriptures finding out what God thinks. So what decisions do you have to make soon? Where are you in your places of decision? Are you at a place of decision in your finances? 
You need to talk to God? Talk to Him. He'll answer your prayers. <laughs> Are you thinking about getting married? Consult the Lord. Talk to Him. Make sure that the person, if you are saved, that that person is saved. Amen? Don't just marry anybody. Marry the one that God's leading you to. What else is happening? Oh, I don't know, preacher. What about spiritual matters? Friends. Friends that you have. What kind of friends do you have? What kind of influence are they having upon your life? And you need to be careful that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What decisions do you have to make? Let God challenge your heart this morning. Maybe you're at a point of decision in your life. And God warns us. He said, now listen, I want you to listen to me. <laughs> and we need to heed God, not man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness. I ask now, Lord, that you would just bless this time of invitation. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's quietly stand to our feet.